Welcome to the Garbage Pod. 29 and 28. in custody. There's something curious about this broadcast. I am the flame that lights extraordinary athletes. The whole world cannot fail to see their fire. I began as a spark in one man's mind, Ludwig Goodman. A summer day, 1948, archery on the lawn, the Stoke Mandeville Games were born. The competition that would one day become the Paralympic Games. Stoke Mandeville, forever their spiritual home. I am the flame. Bring me back to life. A fire formed from the very core of human endeavor. I am the flame, the light and fire of the Paralympic Games. I pour blinding light on indomitable and pure spirit in motion. I am the flame that protects diversity, equality, and rights. This movement enshrined in its very being, sport with no discrimination by politics, religion, economy, disability, gender, sexual orientation, or race. I am the flame of freedom, friendship, and magnificent, extraordinary athletic feats, inspired by one man's respect and belief in the equality of every beautiful, precious, and sacred life. And now I am here. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 35 of the Garbage Pod. You can probably guess from the intro what the theme of tonight's show is. What you actually heard was a poem created for the first ever Paralympic Heritage Flame Lighting Ceremony that took place at Stoke Mandeville Stadium on the 1st of March 2014 and was recited by Sir Ian McKellen. The Heritage Flame Lighting Ceremony marked the final leg of the 2014 Winter Paralympic Flame Relay en route to Sochi in Russia and was the first time part of the relay had taken place outside of the host country. The ceremony, which will form an integral part of the future of Paralympics both summer and winter, recognises the important role played by Britain and Stoke Mandeville in the creation of the now worldwide Paralympic movement. During the ceremony, Paralympic gold medalist Hannah Cockcroft was suspended in a gyroscopic work of art called the Armillary Sphere, which by the power of Hannah's wheelchair ignited the Paralympic torch, which was passed on to Paralympic legend Kaz Walton who lit the heritage flame cauldron. Another torch was lit from the cauldron by Paralympic Hope for 2018 Winter Games in Pyeongchang in South Korea, Fusilier Andy Barlow, who took the flame to other UK venues, including the Spirit of Motion Festival that the Garbage Pod were honored to attend. Have a listen to this. It's Sunday the 2nd of March and we're sitting here at the Waterside Theatre in in Aylesbury for the Spirit in Motion uh, Festival, uh, which is part of the torchlighting proceedings for the Sochi uh, 2014 Winter 
Paralympic Games. Uh, it's, it's due to be a very exciting evening, I think. Well, what do you think about this, Adri? Um, well, yeah, it's my first time in the Waterside Theatre, so it's uh, quite interesting. Beautiful on the inside, nice and high up. That's right. I mean, we're uh, very privileged to be here because this was a, uh, a balloted uh, ticket event. And uh, we're in the, uh, the second circle, which is pretty much up in the gods. Well, bear with. No problem. Cheers, thank you. As you expect when you go to a, a theatre, a lot of people coming in and out and uh, they might need to get to other seats, so uh, we had to manoeuvre. <laughs> yeah, indeed. Get old pirouette and make sure you don't fall forward. <laughs> But um, it, it looks like there's going to be uh, some interesting people on stage tonight. Um, we've got uh, Andrea Begley from uh, uh, last year's The Voice, uh, who's uh, visually impaired. And uh, there's a lot of other performances as well. And um, I think we'll leave it there for now and come back a little bit later on. But um, we will... Uh, talk about what we thought about the event uh, maybe if there's an interval or um, at the, the end. end yeah no worries <laughs> so um, speak to you later ciao ciao please welcome the beautiful and talented Andrea thank you <laughs>
you for being a fantastic audience at this inaugural ceremony of the Paralympic Heritage Flame. Please join me in wishing Paralympic Team GB good luck in Sochi. So there we are, we're at the end of the, the festival and uh, it was quite an amazing evening, wasn't it? Yeah, absolutely, yeah, some great interviews on stage, some fantastic Paralympians, uh, past and present. Yeah, completely humbling really when you think about it, what these, these guys have achieved. I mean, Chris Holmes, I mean, I, when I was talking to you before we came, uh, I got it wrong. I knew he got six goals, uh, I didn't realise that they were all from one games. That in, a, in itself is an achievement regardless of what type of athlete you are to win six gold medals in a single games and the way he tells the story of it was uh, fantastically <laughs> funny as well. Uh, uh, especially the story the of having to beat, beat out Pablo and the <laughs> traditional English crowd. And he was talking to the uh, Radio 4 interviewer at the end. That's unbelievable, <laughs> isn't it? <Yeah. laughs> the, the, the Radio 4 interviewer said, uh, how does it feel to uh, win uh, a medal? Uh, competing in a wheelchair. Com competing in a wheelchair. Chris Holmes is a swimmer, okay? So, one, he wouldn't be swimming in a wheelchair. Two, he's not disabled in that respect. He's blind. <laughs> <laughs> to which his reply was uh, fantastic. She said, well, bearing in mind I can't see, it would be very dangerous. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, uh, truly amazing uh, evening. I mean, as, as I say, Chris, six golds, but 15, 15 medals in total over his career. I believe so, yeah. It's, it's truly amazing. And, and the other athletes as well. I mean, we actually uh, got to witness... Uh, we actually saw a gold medal, didn't we? So, we did see a gold medal, yes. <laughs> from 2012, which was which totally amazing. Yeah, it took me back to when we saw young Hannah Cockcroft getting her gold medal presented to her in the Olympic Stadium itself. So Yeah, and uh, once again, I was getting a little bit emotional at certain points. But, uh, yeah, uh, I did notice, yeah. I, I, <laughs> the clinics were on standby for you, bless. But it, it is an emotional time because I'm proud to be from this town when, when it comes to events like this because we were the first yeah absolutely and finishing off with Andrew as well who when you hear her live it's just she's got an amazing voice she is I mean you hear her on TV um, she was good no wonder she won the competition yeah because uh, when the judges are listening to her like that wow um, and uh, this is a smaller audience than probably was at the, at the arenas or whatever when she was doing the heats and things for for uh, for the voice but now she is breathtakingly good and one of those as well that's very similar to Adele because when you hear her talk it's phenomenal her Northern Irish accent so thick and strong and yet when she sings you would have no idea she's, she's from she's Northern, Northern Ireland, Ireland. Yeah. that's right but uh, all in all um, I think we've done Sochi proud yeah absolutely we have so I would 100% agree with that so let's just hope Sinjin B 
bring home the bacon or the golds as it were <laughs> <laughs> yeah I'm not sure how much bacon there would be in the coldest parts of Russia but there we go well it's not exactly that cold really because in the uh, the village cluster the, the seaside cluster or coastal cluster um, it's actually quite warm it's actually when you get out a bit more towards the slopes and stuff it's actually a bit cooler you mean where most of the games is going to be yeah but where the medals are actually given out uh, it's actually qu- quite warm oh ok um, you can actually go around in short sleeve shirts so it's, uh, it's it's got a weird it's a weird place <laughs> well it sounds a bit in mind it's Russia as well yeah so uh, in the winter yeah um, and in the summer it's it's uh, well it was one of the favourite places of Stalin to go on holiday okay. so <laughs> it's weird but they could actually turn some of those venues around and actually host the summer games so uh, well yeah wait why and see not? what happens there yeah, yeah definitely yeah. Right, shall we call it a night? I think we shall, yeah, as the smoke is clearing, yeah. the screen's gone black and uh, toiling up the stand behind us. <laughs> well, as we normally say, well, it's uh, good night from me. And it's good night from him. Joining me on the show tonight is uh, Adri Bullhawk Mallows. You've been with us all the way through the Garbage Pods Paralympic journey, haven't you? I have indeed, and um, good evening to everyone out there in the podosphere. being a part of the Paralympic movement from the start has just been a fantastic experience and although I'm not originally from Aylesbury, um, just come here quite often when I was younger to visit my dad and have been here for the last sort of 10 to 15 years, it's, uh, it's great to actually start getting to know the local history and how much of a major role Dr Goodman and, and State Mandeville played in what we all now know as the Paralympic Games. Yeah, definitely. Um, when I was younger, uh, I used to go to scientific uh, seminars at uh, Stone Mandeville at the Gutman Auditorium, so <laughs> also it means a lot to me from there as well. I can imagine, and because you've you've had so much to do with it, I can see why you get quite emotional at these events and fair play to you. Yeah, um, I have spent a, a long, close relationship with, with the whole movement, um, being in the Red Cross and helping out at some of the games and things in my past. So, yeah, it, it, it does mean a lot to me. Um, and I'm proud. I'm, I'm a proud of its heritage. I just say I'm grateful that you, you take me along for the ride, as it were, because it's been great to be a part of any events we've been to starting with obviously the, the spirit in motion very lucky to get the, the balloted tickets and, and what a great night it was certainly was I mean the whole thing started off uh, it was hosted by a guy called Ben Owen Jones who is a, a he's a paraplegic actor himself and he starred in the BBC's Best of Men uh, which was a, a dramatisation of the Ludwig Gutman story um, uh, for people who don't know Ludwig Gutman is the the founder of the Paralympic movement and there were so many special people on the bill that night first off we had uh, Paralympic gold medalist Sally Haynes who attended the first official Paralympic Games in Rome in 1960 Um, and she told us some stories about how when you look back at it how 
people with disabilities were treated back in those days and how much it has changed over the years because she told us that story about how how they got onto the plane yeah how the athletes were put onto the plane uh, yeah just to think in the, in the 2014 it, it's almost laughable when you think but they did actually have to do it but they were forklifted into the plane itself it's just crazy isn't it I mean you're, you're talking about you, you they put the brakes on the on a wheelchair stuck the wheelchair on the forks and loaded it into the back of a plane and then once they're on the plane they had people lift them down the length of the plane to wherever they needed to be seated uh, back in those days there was no such thing as health and safety <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's a great testament to the original Paralympians, isn't it, really? When you think of not only did they have their, their disabilities to overcome, but the logistics of getting to the games. And it can't be easy because you she was saying, obviously, how you feel so so helpless and, and frail, obviously, with with having to be helped down a plane like that. And it can't, it can't have been easy. And, and, and the accommodation situation when they got there as well. Yeah, and not, not to mention the, the, the dignity of it as well. I mean, it's... <laughs> Well, that's it exactly, isn't it? You kind of lose all sense of that, don't you? If you're having to be kind of full lifted onto a plane and then... Manhandled down, down, the, down the plane. But yeah, you, exactly. you were going on about the, the, the accommodation because uh, basically they had no um, purpose-built accommodation for the disabled uh, athletes. They, they only had accommodation set up for the able-bodied uh, athletes. And uh, if I remember rightly, she said that they had to get two members of the uh, Italian military uh, that were kind of like guarding the uh, accommodation 24 hours a day as it were because the the buildings were on stilts and they had to go up two flights of stairs or something and they had to be lifted up and down the stairs uh, if they wanted to go up the stairs if they wanted to go into the building and down the stairs if they wanted to come out yeah again it's just amazing when you think of all that adversity and the funniest thing ever was when she was asked how her family knew that she'd won a gold medal and she was like well they didn't know till I got home and told them <laughs> it's just well, she said it's that, unreal isn't it yeah she said that she'd sent them a postcard but it, it already depended whether she got home before the postcard got there <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's just how times have changed but if it wasn't for, for people like her we wouldn't have anything like what we have today this is very true I mean, secondly, we had Chris Holmes, who we mentioned in the clip there, but his record is is just amazing. I mean, 15 medals, including six golds, which he won in, in Barcelona in 92. And he represented Great Britain at four Paralympics from 1988 to 2000. He was in Seoul in South Korea in 1988. And I'd heard some really bad things uh, about Seoul uh, back in those days because the, the Koreans are very uh, superstitious people and um, they had a, a set of buildings set up as an Olympic village um, but they were going to be selling the apartments off uh, to the general public after the games and um, the Paralympians weren't allowed anywhere near the buildings because, because of the superstitions they thought it'd be unlucky that disabled people would enter the building. 
That's ridiculous. So they had a like, kind of like porter cabins set up for the Paralympians to to stay in. Porter cabins. That is in 1988. Even <laughs> that's ridiculous. So that once again that tells you how things have changed over the years. But in 2018, the Winter Olympics go back to South Korea. So it'd be interesting to see how their mentality towards disabled people uh, has changed. Yeah, absolutely. And I know my my geography is really sketchy, but um, where would they hold the Winter Olympics? Obviously, Summer Olympics is is completely different, but... Where in Korea would they be able to hold the Winter Olympics? There's mountains. There's mountains in in South Korea. Oh, right. Okay. This get, is why I said my geography is really bad. It so. does get very cold in the winter. Okay, fair enough. So sort of obviously January, February time. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's going to be held in uh, a place called Pyeongchang, uh, which um, I, I'm not too familiar with because basically I only know Seoul. <laughs> can you spell it? Um, if, I, if I go down my notes, yes, I can. <laughs> Moving back. To uh, emotion, um, Chris Holmes. I just think he is a great personality as well. Every word that he spoke during the uh, the Spirit Emotion Festival and um, when he was being interviewed, I don't know about you, and I'm sure everyone else is the same. Just hanging on to every word because he was so entertaining and so captivating. You just wanted you could just continue to listen to him speak forever. It sounds like he's very used to talking to people. Yeah, and I guess that would be why he was elected uh, the director of Paralympic Integration for the 2012 Olympics and Paralympics or as he found out the day after he signed the contract Dopey that's the one (laughs) (laughs) and then we also had the young rower didn't we yeah that was uh, Naomi Richards who won gold in 2012 as part of the mixed Cox for rowing team and um, she's uh, visually impaired isn't she and you know what she's got a great story as well when you look at which she was so heavily involved with the the team sort of up to sort of 2010 and then she lost her place in was it in 2010 I think she said she lost her place yeah yeah and then she spent the next year just uh, training hard because she got beaten by uh, half a second wasn't it I think she said that's something like that yeah. the, for, the, for the team in 2010 so she had to go away and train by herself for a year come back a year later not only with the drive and determination but then to beat your rival by five seconds <laughs> just it's outstanding isn't it it is I mean considering in uh, in Beijing she won she won bronze so to go from bronze to gold is is, is amazing <laughs> yeah absolutely and and again she's another one where it just shows complete determination and you can see why they've been as successful as they have you still there, fella? Yeah, I'm still here, mate, yeah. I thought you'd disappear for a minute. No, sorry. <laughs> I, I were waiting for you to say something on the back of that. <laughs> no, it just, the way it just disappeared, I was like, ah! <laughs> 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 yeah. Um, also on the bill at the Spirit in Motion events, we had um, not just athletes, but other people with disabilities that have really paved the way for people with disabilities, really. Um, there were some disabled um, aerialists, I believe they're called. Uh, and there was Lindsay Adams, Penny Capcots, and uh, Tew Mortley, who um, performed at the London 2012 Paralympic opening ceremony. The, the strength that these girls had 
to, to go up and down these ropes. It was quite amazing, wasn't it? Yeah, again, it was another phenomenal thing to watch and amazing that we had a part of the opening ceremony in Aylesbury in the Waterside Theatre. And there was a lot of other people from the creative arts because we had um, soprano Denise Lee who sang at uh, the Paralympics opening ceremony in 2012 also. And um, through part of the evening, uh, we had a, a visually impaired artist called Rachel Gadsden who was commissioned to paint Paralympic imagery live. She, she was like a whirlwind, wasn't she? She just whoosh. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. And when you look at what she's painting as well, it's just amazing how it's, it's all very similar strokes with the brush, isn't it? It's yeah. all very circular, but at the same time, with the different colours and how she puts it together and the speed she puts it together is just amazing because the pictures, look, they just look amazing when, when they're finished. Well, they, they, they kind of look like, you, you know when you've got the, uh, different settings on a camera and you, you, you try and get a car as it goes past and you, you get the speed, you can see the speed of the car as it goes past and that's yeah. what she achieved the speed and the strength of the of the athletes in the pictures I mean there was muscle tone and all kinds of things uh, it was quite amazing she's a really really talented artist you know what it also reminded me of is you know when you used to create like little flick stories yes it's very similar to that isn't it but, it's, but only it's all in in one, one drawing picture. as opposed to the several different ones so that's the kind of gives you the idea of, of how much of the movement she manages to capture in, in one drawing or, or painting. Talking of art, uh, whilst we were there, it was actually when we actually arrived at the building, there was some art by some some kids, weren't they, from, from various different schools, and a lot of the kids had disabilities themselves, uh, and they were yeah. they made these um, like um, mountain scenes out of sugar, wasn't it? And um, with yeah, uh, the, the little skiers and things on it, and they also were asked to make the firebirds from Russian folklore, which was featured a lot in the opening ceremony of the Sochi Games. And and they also created the uh, little feathers as well, didn't they, out of um, felt. They actually made felt and put them together. Inside these these firebirds were um, the, each child's dreams and aspirations for the future, which I thought was a really nice touch. It, it was. I have to 100% agree with you there, buddy. It was a very nice touch and... Again, just so impressed with everything around the event and the fact that they got a display from, from the children as well. It's just all put together so very, very well. Crichton, what are you doing, man? Oh, sir, I'm listening to The Garbage Pod. It's a podcast I found in the podosphere. It's, it's been a, a really interesting games because I haven't really seen any of the Winter Games before because, well, until this year, there hasn't really been the greatest of coverage. Did you, have you got to see much of your sledge chair hockey yet? I have. Oh, um, oh dear me. That is a nasty game. <laughs> really? It is fun. It looks fun. I want to have a go. <laughs> wow, okay. <laughs> Fair play. I really want to have go mind you i said that in the in the uh the uh, winter olympics i i want to uh i want to have a go at curling so yeah that would be interesting i just want to wear those shoes so i can slide across the ice yeah, yeah you just want a pair of heelys that you can wear on the ice <laughs> Yeah, basically. And then <laughs> every slide would be my Tom Cruise slide. <laughs> but you see, the difference between regular curling and, and um, wheelchair curling is, is, well, wheelchair curling is actually a lot harder. A lot. I would imagine it would be because when you think of the sweepers, 
you don't have that a luxury um, yeah. you've got to be accurate yes and with the way that the, the stones obviously curl depending on on which way I'm assuming it's very similar to bowls in that one side is is more heavily weighted than the other I, I may I be wrong I think so I think so I'm not too sure on that but the actual stick that they use to actually launch the uh, I think they actually do call it a delivery stick you know you just kind of twist it slightly and that is all you've got to hope that it gets in the area that you want it to be. Yeah, absolutely. Well, they could have used that maybe as the 80s here. It could have been hit me with your delivery stick. <laughs> <laughs> I think you may have got disqualified for that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's it. I want to see the rules where it says I can't hit someone with the delivery stick. <laughs> now, obviously, the, the different um, skiing events, I mean, it's oh, unbelievable to watch. I mean, they get some quite speed on, on those, especially on the, um, the sit skis. They're uh, amazingly quick. Yeah, I would imagine they they probably are. It's just um, again, it's it's down to the way that the, the various sports are evolving, isn't it? You're it's going to potentially get to a point where there won't be too much difference between Paralympic times and and I don't like using the word normal Winter Olympic times. It is difficult to actually say the differences if you know what I mean. Winter Olympics and para, para Paralympics. Winter Olympics. Yeah, I think it's probably the best best way of, uh, of putting it yeah because it just seems so harsh because of how amazing the Paralympic athletes are both winter and summer most definitely and say what you say, want to say about Channel 4 their coverage is, is pretty good I would say they've been spot on since they first got awarded that the contract for the Summer Olympics back in 2012 well, you see, I mean you said yourself didn't you about how the reason, one of the main reasons why they got it is because of their coverage of like the World Championships and events building up to the Olympics so that people would be aware of the British athletes and who they'd be cheering in the summer and the type of events they would get when it came to the, the summer games. Channel 4 have always been very closely associated with uh, the disabled community. They've, they've had programmes from, from as long as I can remember on Channel 4 and uh, they've had them re- recently. I mean, they've had the, the programmes called Ouch, which is like a magazine show for people with disablement and things like that and um, yeah they've always represented uh, the community so obviously the the IPC's uh, and Willpower's um, first choice was always going to be Channel 4 yeah and as I say it made sense and they've done such a great job with it it'd be interesting to see how any of the other channels could match up to the great job that they've done I don't think they can they've got so much respect now and you know the, the, the the people that they've got on board to host it you know they, they they really know what's going on because the majority of them are disabled yeah I think it's also great to see Olympic athletes like Jonathan Edwards getting involved as well with with the present uh, the presenting of the uh Winter Paralympics. This is true, um, and um, there's a couple of others that uh, had followed him. Uh, it, that uh, I saw more in in the summer games, obviously because they're probably summer athletes. But Jonathan Edwards has pretty much embraced them both um, because he does he does the highlight show in the evenings, and uh, yeah, he's he's been really good for for the games. And I think the other thing that that works well for me is that 
it's not just as if he's an athlete just trying to get his face out there or he's just doing it to be another job. He's actually really interested in the Paralympic events and has obviously done his research because he knows what he's talking about. I think you'll find with a lot of athletes that it's the same. It, it doesn't matter if you've got a disablement or not. You're an athlete. You're a brother or a sister. And yeah. That's the way it is. Athletes have always been like that. And that's the way it should be. Absolutely. You're listening to The Garbage Pod. Where your input is our output. Before we go on, um, I'm going to ask you one thing. What does the word Paralympic actually mean? Well, this this is one I really should know, isn't it? So, um, I'm going to have have a little think about this. Well, you see, most people think that Paralympic actually means paraplegic Olympics. Yeah, which it, which it doesn't, though. It what, doesn't. I know that much. Um, what it actually means uh, is parallel, meaning alongside or equal to the Olympics. Yep, I was I was nearly there. It was it was on the tip of my tongue. <laughs> Slash fingertips and slash Google search. A lot of people don't know that, um, but it you know it makes perfect sense when you think about it because the first one uh, in in 1948, which wasn't a proper games as such because there was only 15 people competing and they were patients at Stoke Mandeville. Yes, it happened on the opening day of London 1948, didn't it? Exactly the same time as the 1948 Olympics, and it was an archery contest. Yes, that's right, yeah, yeah. out on the lawns at Stoke Mandeville. That's right. If I may, I'd like to play you some audio from a short film by Cliff Productions called The Mandeville Legacy. In 1944, a Jewish doctor who was a refugee from Nazi Germany started a new spinal injuries unit at Stoke Mandeville Hospital. At the time, patients were only expected to live for two years, so the idea was to make their remaining days as comfortable as possible. Ludwig Gutmann had other ideas about their life expectancy and insisted on managing treatment his way. His approach was controversial to many but Gutmann single-handedly revolutionized the care of the paralyzed. He got patients off sedation and turned in bed every two hours to prevent infections. Next, he insisted they got up and moved around by taking part in craft and sporting activities. One of Gutmann's most inspired ideas was to get wheelchair patients playing competitive sport as a way of improving fitness boosting self-esteem and restoring personal dignity. It changed my world out of all uh, recognition because it gave me so much more confidence. You know, I knew that I was then equal to anybody. I don't know where I would have been without him. On the same day as the opening of the 1948 London Olympic Games, Dr. Gutmann organised a team from the Star and Garter home to compete in an archery demonstration, and it had a lasting impact. The 14 men and two women who took part that day became the first Paralympians. Gutmann organised a similar event every year, and in each successive year, the Games got bigger and better. In 1952, the first international event was held when a small team from the Netherlands came to compete. From this date, Popper, as he was endearingly known, referred to the Games as the Olympics of the Disabled. How important are games like these to paraplegics? 
very important. See, from both the physical and psychological point of view, but uh, the most important is from the point of the, uh, the social reintegration of the paralyzed into society. The 1960 event is widely thought of as the first Paralympic Games, being held overseas for the first time, just after the Olympics in Rome. 400 paralyzed men and women took part, representing 24 countries. From this point on, an annual event was held at Stoke Mandeville, and in each Olympic year, the Games moved, in the hope that they would be held in the Olympic city. My first ever Paralympic Games was Tokyo, and I was lucky enough to come back with two gold medals, including the first ever track event. The Paralympic movement continued to grow. Papa Goodman would have loved to have been here now. He had an extraordinary idea, and from that small acorn in Stoke Mandeville, we're now going to have 4,200 athletes from 165 nations competing in the London 2012 Paralympic Games. That's an awesome journey in just 64 years. Interviewed in the clip was uh, Kaz Walton, who I mentioned at the beginning of the show. Now, Kaz won 17 Paralympic medals, including 10 golds, over five games in athletics, table tennis, swimming and fencing. And it also featured Chris Holmes, who we've just mentioned uh, a moment ago. You might remember that film, Adri, as it was played at the London 2012 Paralympics flame lighting ceremony at Stoke Mandeville, uh, which we were all also privileged to attend. We were indeed, yes, I do, I do remember that. And that was another great evening. It was just great to be a part of the, the local crowd and, and all the proceedings for the, the lighting ceremony at, at its birthplace in, in Stoke Mandeville. It certainly does, and uh, I thought it'd be fitting that we play in some of the highlights of that evening. Absolutely. Good work for entering this, by the way. It's going to be a really good night, I feel it. I think so. As we've got the constant group of kids that just seem to be screaming in front of the camera. I'm assuming that's what that is. I think. <laughs> just over there on the track, innit? I think we're going to do House Be Proud. So I think we're going to do ours for proud. Yeah, definitely. Is it ours for is it so Mandeville you decide? <laughs> well, John, Mandeville just another. John, John Snow just said it was. Um, Stoke Mandeville Stadium outside, just outside the little town of Aylesbury, so I don't know. But then, do we trust them like we trust the Telegraph? <laughs> if it starts at half five, I'm going to be angry. And he also said just around the corner is Heathrow Airport, so... Um, oh, wow, really? Really? <laughs> just around the corner? <laughs> if uh, Heathrow's just around the corner, I guess Gatwick's just across the way. Yeah. <laughs> London Aylesbury Airport. Hey, wheelchair rugby. That's Luton. <laughs> Look at him go. It is mental. It's just a speed date. Bang! <laughs> Where's me welder? That wheel, yeah. One of those I used to work with, rest of the wheelchair rugby. The guy who was talking then is the captain. And he said, uh, when he first started playing, 
uh, his wife wouldn't come and watch. She was too scared to see him getting smacked out of his shit. Oh man. to host it because um, everywhere you went in the town there was wheelchair athletes and it, everybody welcomed them. Yeah, it was great. It's always good to see. Think about their achievements, it's pretty phenomenal. The Channel 4 slogan, that's here for humans, is pretty much bang on. Uh, everyone said that because they are pretty much, I mean there's that uh, what is his name? I've forgotten his name. Another South African. Um, he's here uh, in the swimming events. The only reason he's here, he used to be a lifeguard on a beach. Yeah. And noticed that a shark was going for a kid. He went in the sea and started splashing around to get the shark away from this kid. Really? He bit his leg off. Wow. And now he's a swimmer for South Africa.
pieces, is it, say? From the highest peaks in the UK to its great capital cities, four national flames have been lit. Tonight, we begin an epic journey, lighting the way towards the London 2012 Paralympic Games. Tonight, we celebrate England, because tonight, we are in Stoke Mandeville. Please welcome your host for this evening, G'day Tardy. Give them a warm welcome. This is their moment. These are 
listening to The Garbage Pod with Mark Taylor and Adri Ballhawk Mallows. So, what, what do you remember from that evening? Wow, you're asking me to remember something. I'm getting old, buddy. <laughs> These things don't come by very easily. Um, well, I remember being a just a great atmosphere for a start. I think very different to every, anything else I'd, I'd been to. It, it was quite amazing. Again, there was uh, aerialists like before, but they, these guys weren't from um, from the Paralympic uh, Open. No, they were from a, a school dance troupe, weren't they? That's right. Or a dancing school troupe. And some of these guys were local as well, which made it even more impressive. Um, uh, I remember there was a dan- uh, one of the dancers, he had polio, and uh, yeah, he was break dancing. Yes. He was amazing. Yeah, very much so. Yeah. And particularly for, for someone that, that does have polio, which is such a disabilitating disease as well. Yeah, yeah. Joe McEldry was there. Uh, who was? Uh, I thought we are going through the highlights, mate. We don't need <laughs> the lowlights. <laughs> for people in the not the know, he was a previous... X Factor winner who well pretty much disappeared really but um... <laughs> so pretty much like any other X Factor winner with the exception of Leona obviously <laughs> but moving swiftly on back to the <laughs> flame lighting ceremony rather than my X Factor politics it was different in many respects because you had the main Thing going on at Mandeville Stadium but at the same time there was also a celebration going on in Aylesbury Market Square uh, and they had their, their own thing going on um, they had some 3D projections on uh, some of the buildings and uh, um, some kind of fire show or something going on because we weren't allowed to go through there when we came back because it was still on fire but, um, yeah, but you remember as well that that's just reminded me actually I always need these key things to help me remember but we we almost, we didn't physically follow the flame into town, did we? But we started walking into town a short while after the flame had disappeared. And as we were walking into town, the flame was going back the other way, back out of town, wasn't it? And uh, I got my own little wave, which was quite nice. Yeah. And, <laughs> um, and then by the time we got back into town, it was just in time to see all the fireworks, fireworks. over the courthouse. Yeah, that's right. Um, I've actually got some... Um, video uh, footage of the of the torch coming back on us as we walked back into town <laughs> excellent <laughs> so yeah it, that was a truly amazing um, evening and um, to have those four torches from uh, all the regions from, from Northern Ireland Scotland and, and Wales along with the, the English one um, all going to one cauldron and then start the spark uh, for the relay um, heading back to um, London uh, it was great yeah fantastic just a shame Joe McEldry was there what? <laughs> <laughs> hi Mark it's Laura LaRue from San Francisco keep up the great work I love your show moi <laughs> that brings us on to the last leg of the show um, no pun intended 
the London 2012 Paralympics itself we, we were lucky enough to get tickets for a day one of the athletics and I made um, some recordings which I'd, I'd like to end the show with but before I play it in I thought it would be a nice uh, thing to do to recollect with the Bullhawk memories of our time in East London yeah absolutely starting with obviously yeah we had a nice little hotel we uh, stayed in <laughs> didn't we as well we we were in the annex the one that we'd read all the bad reviews about if, if yes, memory yes. serves um, <laughs> I, I'll just say that the things that we'd read on TripAdvisor were um, it was frequented by ladies of the night but um, we didn't experience any of that um, unfortunately oh. <laughs> But yeah, we, 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 we missed out on that. We we arrived yeah. at the hotel and everything seemed really good. Um, everyone Except was... for the first room we were given. Do you remember? Because the reason we ended up in the annex <laughs> was because we turned up and they'd given us a double bed, and excuse me, as opposed to a twin room. Yeah. We were like, uh, yeah, we're friends, but we're we're not that close and, and so the thing was we have the room we ordered <laughs> that wasn't the first thing I noticed the first thing I noticed in that room I don't know if you remember that uh, it looked like somebody had dropped an iron on the floor oh there was that as well wasn't there yeah <laughs> I'm sure there's supposed to be an ironing board around here somewhere fella <laughs> <laughs> So, but yeah, I mean, the hotel itself, it served its purpose and it was, for what we paid, I think it was a, a decent hotel. And then we had the little trip into taxi to the station and then jumping on the tube. And I think that was the best thing to do, really, jump on the tube. And then it, the atmosphere really kind of built from there, didn't it? Sort of on the tube as you get closer and closer to Stratford and then coming out at Stratford and walking through Westfield and being part of the mass crowd on its way to the stadium and just having a laugh with people around you and that's when you got the true feel of the atmosphere of the games and how as a country it sounds cliche but it's so true especially for anyone that actually went to either the Olympics or Paralympics you'll realise how much it did actually bring us together for that day you were at the Olympic Stadium everything outside didn't really matter I think, it's all about enjoying it and being part of of the Olympic Games. I think we, as a country, we needed that. That that year was so special. What with the the Queen's Jubilee and and the Olympics and the Paralympics, we just needed that little lift. Yeah, absolutely. It couldn't have come at a better time, really. I think with with everything that the country had been through before that. But yeah, certainly on the day. Then obviously going from the station to getting into the stadium itself and Mark as tradition would dictate got searched <laughs> as I do at most airports <laughs> there's just something funny looking about him apparently that it always makes the want him get searched I don't know what it is <laughs> but I mean they did their job I mean I'm not um, oh, yeah. trying, trying to get out of the, the political side of it but um, there was no sign of G4S these were military personnel <laughs> Yeah, it was it was run swiftly and efficiently, wasn't it? It was it was very much granted you got searched standard, but everyone was through there pretty pronto, weren't they? There wasn't any hanging about. That's it. It was um, very relaxed, actually. Uh, as I mentioned in, in the recording, I, I just couldn't believe how quickly and without any hassles whatsoever, really, that we got through. It was when we got to the other side, I, uh, I had a, a little bit of a hassle, but um, that's down to me being a bit picky about what I eat. <laughs> oh, yes, of course, yeah. The, uh, the great food saga of 2012. <laughs> 
what to eat when you're at an Olympics and you don't want to go to McDonald's and uh, you can't have fries. Was it fries or chips because of McDonald's? Yeah. So, <laughs> so I decided that I was going to go for a Cornish pasty and because uh, you had these little um, tickets that you go up to the counter with to say what you want and they didn't have any of the flavour left that I wanted. They were quite apologetic and they gave me a larger size pasty of just a bog standard pasty because I wanted a lamb and mint one and um, when we got outside the actual vending place it was a lamb and mint one wasn't it it was they'd given me a large <laughs> lamb and mint for the price of a small one so I was quite happy as Larry really yeah although it doesn't always pay to be picky I think you got lucky there <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, that was all kind of part of the fun of games because we decided at that point we were going to have a stroll around and I think we pretty much covered every inch of the Olympic Park, didn't we? We kind of walked all the way out to sort of the um, the viewing area. Yep. And we found... I guess the Lee Valley Park kind of area. And yeah, we, we, um, we, we found that um, garden, didn't we, that had um, all those little messages of good luck to the athletes and that on that... Um, Arbor, as you as you walked yeah, under it, yeah, it was it. like a um, garden of reflection almost, wasn't it? It was kind of it was really nice. It was very peaceful, considering how loud everything was around. As soon, soon as you hit that garden, it was peaceful. <laughs> yeah, it certainly was. It was again, and it made for the day, really. To be honest, yeah, it was. It was just nice to just to chill out a little bit before we um, hit the stadium. That's it. The only thing we, we didn't find, because we thought that there was a memorial to the uh, the victims of the July 7th bombings, didn't we? Yeah. But it turned out that was in Hyde Park as opposed to Olympic Stadium. Yeah. So we wanted to pay our respects, but we got the location slightly wrong. Pretty much so, because being from Aylesbury, wanted more so to pay respects because of one of the, the actual bombers actually came from Aylesbury. So um, we had that around our necks as a town so yeah we wanted to just pay our respects yeah because paying your respects is what you should do rather than what some other people tried to do and that was burn down the house that may have still had the wife and children of one of the suspected bombers that's right that just makes no sense but um, we won't let that take away from the, the game itself that's it, it that's just, it once we actually then got into the stadium it was a bit of a mission to get to the top wasn't it because we were sat right at the very top of the Olympic Stadium as in we were we were Row Z or ZZZ or whatever you want to call the, uh, the bleachers <laughs> we, we've got, I've got some pictures that I'm going to put up on the show notes of um, how far up we were we, we could literally put our back against the back wall <laughs> of the stadium at the top yeah there was vertigo all around wasn't there buddy yeah but uh, I think it all added to it to be honest yeah I mean um, we were watching the, the athletes on the track and we'd just done a marathon to get to the top of the stadium <laughs> so <laughs> actually you can hear hear yourself uh, on, on the recording saying well that's a, a, a good uh, cardio uh, exercise <laughs> done for the day <laughs> yeah that was it I mean that was be done for a week mate <laughs> <the day. laughs> I think the great thing about the Paralympics as opposed to the Summer Olympics itself was every athlete got cheered. Yeah, that's my biggest memory from the Paralympics is that every athlete, no matter what country, no matter what event, everybody got cheered. Do you remember that lad who was 
best part of a lap behind everybody yeah, else. Yeah, the 5,000 metre heats. Yeah, and all the way around, the people were cheering him on, saying, you know, you can do it, come on. And, um, yeah. Yeah, on his final lap, there was a roar not too dissimilar to, uh, maybe slightly quieter than actually for the roar that British athletes got, but he did get a very, very good cheer as he was going around on his last he lap. He got a standing ovation. Everybody stood up and applauded him as he came in. Yeah, you just don't get that at the normal Olympics. And, um, yeah, I... I got a bit choked <laughs> as I do yeah, yeah. <laughs> why me for your bad puns no you <laughs> got yeah it's rightly so to get world up I think in that situation because it's it's a great show of humanity isn't it that uh, we all wanted to, to see him achieve something and competing at the Olympics whether it be Summer Olympics or Paralympics and completing a heat final whatever well, that's to, what you're there to do as well as win a medal so to be honest with you to get there in the first place you must be pretty good to qualify for, well, for the games well absolutely because as an Olympics it's it's evolving like the Summer Olympics people are getting quicker people are getting faster people are getting stronger and it just makes it harder and harder to, to actually get into your national team it is so very very humbling that you know some people just grumble when they've got an ache or a pain of some description people with disabilities have to overcome the disability and then do the best they can and the be- their best is <laughs> be- well, better than anything that I can do <laughs> by a yeah, mile absolutely. it puts everything mile. into context I think doesn't it when you think about the little things that we choose to complain about daily and then you see something so amazing like the Paralympics and the Channel 4 definitely have the right song for it don't they and the, the superhuman and, and that's obviously how they were advertising the the 2012 Paralympic Games yeah, and the athletes definitely favourite moment I think of the night would have been in the help me out with the class here was it the 100 T54 uh-huh. Hannah's 100 metres that's it yeah and um, and so, so we got to see her win her gold medal by just a phenomenal length it was just she just blew everyone away didn't she it exactly was ridiculous. This, this is why she's known as Hurricane Hannah <laughs> was just amazing and then the icing on the cake being in the Olympic Stadium and being able to sing our national anthem as Hannah got presented with her gold medal it was it was what we what we wanted really you, you, when you have a home Olympics you want to be able to sing your own anthem in the Olympic Stadium that's it and, and, and not only that we also got to see the the legend that is the werewolf Yes, and again, he's just another phenomenal athlete. He's just a powerhouse, isn't he? <laughs> he certainly is. Yeah, he's such a tactician as well because he doesn't. It's not as if he just goes out from the off and just runs away from it. Actually, I want to hang on. No, he does do that normally, doesn't he? Goes um, out from the off and just gets so far ahead of everyone, it doesn't really matter what anyone else. Yeah, he just clears it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just goes off on one, and everyone else is just kind of left to fight for second place so I think the, the night that we got tickets for I think it was an awesome display of, of athletics it really was yeah and we had field events on the day as well didn't we, we had like discus shot put things like that And I was actually worried that I wouldn't be able to see stuff like that but we we, we got a, a, a good view of some of those those things and, and, and the thing that I, I, I like the, um, the the choice of vehicle for returning stuff if you remember the, the little remote control 
little minis. I do, yeah, yeah. Very nice <laughs> touch, wasn't it? Yeah, having a mini as the return vehicle. Yeah, tiny, well, not tiny. They were quite big, weren't they? They were, what, about a foot, well, long, foot long? Yeah, I suppose, yeah, thinking about it, they would have had to have been big enough to return the discuses and... And, and javelins. <laughs> Yeah, the javelins, Stick, wow, Sticking yeah. out the top of them, yeah. <laughs> when you heard it on the TV, when they said about this wall of sounds that moves around the stadium, they weren't kidding. No, they weren't, and that's, again, something else. It was. I was so glad that we got, got tickets to be a part of, of 2012, the summer of 2012, because that sound, you just can't... You can't replicate being there. I've got the DVDs, it sounds amazing on the DVDs, but to actually remember and put myself back there in the stadium and just listening to and being a part of that roar as it goes around the stadium, and it's a once-in-a-lifetime memory. And keeping up with the um, the clapping when, um, uh, when the long jumpers are uh, about to take a jump. Just to, yes. to, to psych them up a bit. Everything involved with that night, it just made it a really, really special day day and night, really. We got some cool pictures, I think, didn't we? And, and very fond memories of being in and around the stadium. And uh, the, the evening, if, I don't know if you remember, it, it could have ended quite badly for myself, couldn't it? Obviously, we got the tube back to, um, to Leightonstone. And then we got a taxi from Lanestone back to the hotel. Yeah, didn't we stop somewhere to get some food? Uh, yeah, it was right next to the taxi place. Yeah. Uh, but when I when I got back to the hotel, if you remember, I slammed my thumb in in the door of the taxi. Yes, you did. Yeah. <laughs> I was very lucky. Well played. Very lucky not to end up in A and E. That's it. Yeah, that'd have been the complete experience, wouldn't it? <laughs> Olympic Park, it's A&E and five easy moves. <laughs> <laughs> First, leave stadium. Get tube, get food, get taxi, slam hand in door. <laughs> <laughs> As usual, I think once we'd obviously got back to the hotel, I was pretty much lights out within a couple of minutes, snoring away, was I not? Yeah, pretty much. We, we got back to the hotel, stuck the TV on to watch uh, the last leg. Before the end of the show, you were um, you were gone. You are out of the count. <laughs> Pretty yeah, much. absolutely, yeah. Just head down. <gasps> <Yeah>. <laughs> the hotel, it was clean. The bathroom was immaculately clean. You even did like a little um, tour of the bathroom, didn't you? <laughs> I did a, a tour of the whole uh, uh, room and um, showed where we were in conjunction with the, the main building, which was across the way, uh, which was the only thing was, it was quite a busy road, wasn't it? Leightonstone High Road. Um, <laughs> so uh, if yeah. we, when you go for breakfast in the morning you sort of like dodged the traffic <laughs> yeah we, we did man that was uh that was that was interesting but uh, i'm i'm really glad that we didn't actually stay in the main building not for the fault of the building but i don't know if you remember it when we were waiting for the taxi to take us to the tube station i noticed that there was girls dressed in very puffy wedding-y type dresses and that's when i realized ah, the, gypsy the gypsy wedding reception yeah <laughs> yeah i do remember that and I thought, hmm, that's going to be loud. <laughs> <laughs> For the money we paid, I would recommend it. Uh, free breakfast, Wi-Fi. You didn't really need anything else. Yeah, absolutely. It was a, a very, very good price for being in such a convenient location, just a short tube ride away from Stratford itself. What I'll do is um, I'll put a, a link to it, actually, in the show notes. 
You're listening to the Garbage Pod. Right, I, I think we've pretty much covered all of our um, experience for the Paralympics because we've done the whole thing from Sochi. I mean, we got to see the torch, didn't we, when we were at the Spirit in Motion ceremony? Uh, yeah, we did actually. Yeah, and I think you may even have a, a picture of that you'd be able to put up as well. Yeah, you? yeah, I've got pictures of uh, all aspects of what we've covered tonight. Um, there's a few videos there as well, uh, including Hannah Cockcroft at the Heritage flame lighting ceremony that was just phenomenal by the way when we saw the clip of that in the theater it just looked amazing and the only thing i i still wonder is if she'd have been able to turn around to see all of the fireworks that were going off behind her because it was quite the display i was just a bit worried that if she leant back in that chair would it have gone round? <laughs> <laughs> but um yeah it was an amazing thing the uh armillary uh, sphere uh which is they're going to actually use the sphere for each of the heritage uh, lighting ceremonies so watch this space for um, Rio 2016 because it'll be happening all again on that note right um, I think that pretty much closes the whole shebang really Um, once again thanks to your good self for taking time out to be with us tonight oh absolutely my pleasure and hey man thanks for the trip down memory lane it has been a journey hasn't it absolutely well I think we'll leave it there for for our rabbiting on and um, we'll play in now the highlights of our time in East London thanks again fella no problem buddy my pleasure well we've made it into London on the uh, 31st of uh, August 2012 for the Paralympic Games. We're actually in the hotel at uh, the, the Leighton All Seasons in Leighton, East London. And uh, we're just sprucing up a bit before we travel over to Stratford for... The actual games. Um, the noise in the background is well, the Paralympics. Uh, we've got the uh, wheelchair basketball on. Excuse the noises while I'm trying to sort out what I'm taking to the stadium and what I'm not. Adri's in the bathroom at the Attach my Paralympic. GB trailing Australia by eight here in the uh, early stages. Badge to my baseball cap. Australia, one of the best wheelchair teams in the world. Don't want to forget my glasses. I'm wearing my sunglasses today, but it's nice and sunny outside. Well, I will be wearing my glasses later because we're on the evening session of the athletics. 
which means by about 8 o'clock it'll be starting to get dark and my glasses will be absolutely no use to me whatsoever. Put my camera mini tripod in the side pocket on the ground. It's not a bad room for what we paid. We paid £79 for the room uh, in East London, so it's, it's about three miles away from the stadium. And um, it's pretty good for what it is. We've got um, free internet access. Wi-Fi access. Um, we get a free continental breakfast, but we can pay five pound to get a full English. She's a veteran of these games. She's been here before. She knows how to take control and actually stay calm in these situations. So she'll be looking to put some stability behind this game today. Just getting the passwords for the internet access. Put it in my wallet because we'll need it later. So, so no, I'm making a recording. It'll pick you up from there, so don't worry. Yeah, yeah, it's I was talking to myself for the last five minutes. In theory, I was. Well, yeah, you were. Even making myself ready. Make myself look more presentable for the ladies. Yes. Um. I'm just checking to see if I was talking to myself. No, it was recording. Right, so that wasn't going to quickly do. Great defence there from the team. Yeah, that yellow page is there. It is indeed. Uh, we want to bring a cab from outside. I'm just going to quickly check Google Maps. You need to go downstairs. I said we've got free phone, isn't it? Yeah, it's across the road, isn't it? Oh yeah, is it not one in here? I don't know. Yeah, I didn't see, mate. Free. Right, I think we'll leave it there on the recording and uh, come back to you a little bit later on. So we are now actually in Stratford, East London, on the outskirts. seen the orbit so we know we're there <laughs> and it's warm
My check's in the post, yeah? <laughs> 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 Alright, that's why I'm not wearing a purple shirt, that's why I didn't <laughs> Yeah, that's why I haven't got big no. pink hands, because I'll be wearing it on my head. Awesome, yeah. Big pink hands, I'd look like a pink smurf. I'll be going nice. <laughs> Do an awesome job though, to be fair. Is that yeah. the that, 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 that is the swimming. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Or the aquatics, as uh, Adam Hill calls it. He said in Australia we call it aquatics. Yeah, right. But then again, you could call me a twat. <laughs> um, so much better than an advertising campaign look the premier inside sticks out just above everything else yeah <laughs> that's a point I wonder where the travel looks at is first glimpse of the Olympic Park and there is a symbol there's a symbol do you want to get your uh, yeah. well, I suppose we get a bit more space here yeah? be better That was the main thing, I think. It had to be done. We're in trouble. You, you get a picture you've got because you've got obviously you've got orbit in the background, a bit of Olympic Park, and you can get the symbol on the uh, aquatic centre as well. Yeah. So hold it. Hold our little friend. Thank 
understand that you you we can't just place them in it.
that is literally got to be hundreds of thousands of people. Cheers, look. 
So yes, we are on row 75 and 528 and 527 seat. We are which is literally in the bleachers. It's cold up here and there's snow. <laughs> <laughs> it's that high. I'm so glad we didn't get these seats at the hotel. <laughs> yeah. That would have been really high. Now. That's it, the it's high up. The view is just, the view is... I am, I am surprised at what we're going to be able to get from up here. I wasn't surprised I wasn't, because it's like when it looks so big from the outside, but the view's amazing inside.
that about wraps it up for this episode of The Garbage Pod. Visit www.thegarbagepod.weebly.com for the show notes for this or any other episode of The Garbage Pod or TGP Extra. Just look for the Garbage Pod show section in the menu. While you're on the website, why not have a nose about? You can find a little bit more about me and the rest of the crew and find out what's going on in the podosphere by reading the blog and much, much more. Let us know what you think of the show. Send an email to garbagepod at virginmedia.com Because your input is our output. Or you can use the social media icons at the top of the website, which include Twitter and Facebook. If you would like to subscribe to the show, you can do so via iTunes, the RSS feed, and now Stitcher and TuneIn On Demand Radio. If you look on the right-hand side of the show's page, the blog, or even the video roll, you'll see a little button there that says Donate. If you like what we do and you feel that you could give us a little something just to help us out a bit, we would be most appreciative. And don't forget, spread the word. Thanks for listening, and I'll speak to you again soon. Take care. The Garbage Pod is a Spamhead production.